0: All right, so let's get into it, uh, Tribe. We are honored and privileged to have this amazing, amazing person on our presence today, Ronna Britton from uh, LA. She's been on Oprah, she's got four best selling books. She's the life coaches of life coaches. She's out there, she's uh, the mover and shake within the industry. She's been everywhere and everywhere. She's changing lives around the globe as we speak, and she's been doing it for many years. It's an honor and a privilege to have her with us today. Rhonda, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and guidance today.
1: Oh, you're welcome, you're welcome. What a privilege it is to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I love being here. And so I think um, one of the first things that I would love to find out, James, is you know, I'm an expert on fear. So again, first of all, most people don't think they have fear. But I, one thing that I do really appreciate about the global pandemic is that I think all of us are more awake to our fear than ever before. Because mm-hmm. we're seeing the cracks of our foundation, the things that we didn't maybe think about, we were able to put it in a drawer somewhere, not really contemplate it. All of a sudden, everything that we have done and everything we haven't done is now on full view. So The good news is our cracks are showing the bad news is our cracks are showing So yep. now it's time to go and like to decide how we what we want to do with these cracks and more importantly how we want to make a firmer Foundation uh, that really supports us to go even further faster in the way that really supports who we want to be and who we're meant to be uh, as we say in fearless living to live the life your soul intended so I um, I'm not sure if you have uh, questions for me at the top of it. Otherwise, uh, if you have something you want to ask me right off the top, James, or ask people to give me their questions, things that, that are bugging them, things they're concerned about, their worries, because trust me, I can talk for an hour. <laughs> I love it. Hours. So, that is so, not Yeah, so true.
0: So, yeah, so, so guys, uh, any questions? So so, Rhonda, the expert around fear and how to deal with fear is so important. So if you've got any questions, um, shoot them in the chat and then we'll get them answered. What's, but but, no, Rhonda, what I love- you? What's what bugging what love? you?
1: Yeah. What's bugging you? What are you worried about? You know, um, this is my fourth class today and most people are feeling guilty about something, worried about something, have abundant stuff going on. Like, you know, you are we going to take care of your family, like just anything at all. Just feel free to put it in the chat because I'm here to support you and your particular challenges. And then of course, talk about fear in general. So go ahead, James, sorry for interrupting.
0: No, perfect. Perfect. So I want to talk about your journey, Rhonda, in relations to how you've got to where you are. Um, because I think that's going to also set a bit of a, a context, for for people around dealing with this stuff, um, and we've got some great questions coming through and we'll get to them in a minute, but just to set some further context for everyone, can you share your history and your journey to, to the tribe to, yeah. to and then we can move into some questions.
1: Perfect. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. So uh, what James is referring to is the worst day of my life. So you're going to get to know me really intimately, really fast. So go ahead and hang on to your chair because just like you, I've had a really bad day and probably just like you, I've had more than one, but I'm going to talk about the worst day of my life. And um, it was when I was 14 years old and my parents were in the middle of a divorce and uh, it was Father's Day and my father was coming over to take us out to Sunday brunch And I don't know about how you grew up, but I grew up in a little tiny town in upper Michigan, upper Minnesota. It's in like middle of nowhere. And, you know, three kids, two adults, that's a lot of money and you just don't go out. So this was a big deal. My mother made me a brand new dress. And uh, my father comes walking in and says, come on, come on, because that's what dads do. And my two sisters are in our one bathroom fighting it out as sisters do. And me and my mom and my dad start walking out to the car to get in it, to go to brunch. My dad is yelling come on come on again because they're still not coming And as me and my dad and my mom walk out my dad looks at me and says he has to get his coat from the car and As he opens his trunk to get his coat. I notice that he Is not grabbing a coat He's actually grabbing a gun and he starts screaming at my mother. You made me do this. You made me do this and 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 he fires And I start screaming. What are you doing dad? What are you doing? And He cocks the gun and points it at me, and I absolutely believe I'm next. Uh, I stare at him, he stares at me, I blink, he blinks, and it feels like hours, and I'm sure it was only 10 seconds. And my mother, who already has one bullet in her, literally with her last breath, sees what's happening and screams, no, don't. And my father took that gun intended for me and pointed it at my mother and shot her a second time. And that second bullet, goes through my mother's abdomen out her back and lands in the car horn and the car horn just goes, "Eh." and then my father cocks the gun again, lands on his knees, puts the gun to his head and fires. So within two minutes at the age of 14, I was the sole witness of watching my father murder my mother and commit suicide. And I don't know how you would have responded to it, but this is what I did. One, I didn't save my mother. I didn't save her. I did nothing heroic. I didn't kick my father in the shins. I didn't grab the gun. I didn't even jump in front of my mother. So in that moment, happiness was no longer an option for me. You cannot be happy ever if you witness your father killing your mother and killing himself and you did nothing. So that day I basically split into two people, the person that people saw on the outside, which I'm sure some of you can relate to, pretending everything's okay when it's not, Uh, You know, I'm fine. I'm fine. I mean people literally thought I was fine, right? Because I was I just went on kept doing good in school Kept just doing what I always did and just pretended I was fine But inside I was not fine Because one my father's blood ran through my veins and if he's capable of that what am I capable of? I became I became scared of myself and I and I really fundamentally thought something was wrong with me because I couldn't shake the feeling that I was damaged, or I was broken, or there was something like really fundamentally wrong with me. And so I went on to college, got a scholarship to college, again, pretending I'm fine. And when I was in college, nobody knew me. And that was the good news and the bad news. Uh, The good news, nobody knew me so that I could make up a story of who I was. The bad news is nobody knew my story, so I had to lie about it. And so in order to avoid my story, I started drinking so I soon became an alcoholic got three DUIs Over the years. I tried to kill myself three times and it was really and had nightmares every night my father chasing me And it was really my third suicide attempt uh, That I realized that I wasn't really good at killing myself and I had to figure out another way to get through this and I Trust me. I would have rather been dead but I wasn't dying And now, mind you, during those years, I, it wasn't that I wasn't trying to get help. I, you know, I read my first self-help book when I was 12. So during that whole time where I was doing, you know, drinking and getting DUIs and trying to kill myself... Um, I was reading self-help books, I was going to workshop, I was going to therapy, I was doing energy work, you name it, I tried it. And all of those things were good, right? They were good tools and they inspired me and motivated me for the moment. I'm sure all of you experienced reading a book and it's like, this is so good. And then you shut it and you're like, I have no idea how to live that, right? Like, but it's so good while you're reading it. That's kind of like I, I soaked everything I could up. But fundamentally, um, after my third suicide attempt, I realized no matter what I had tried sure it gave me tools and skills, but it didn't take away the feeling when in the middle of the night, when life wasn't working for me, that there wasn't something wrong with me, that I was not good enough at my core. And because now I've tried everything and nothing's worked, I feel so desperate that I start making up exercises for myself. And those exercises turned into what now is called fearless living. But back then I didn't think about anybody but saving myself right? I just started making up exercises and shockingly, and to this day, I'm still shocked by it, that the exercise started working and it started changing me at my core. And I no longer had this feeling that I think was wrong with me. And I no longer felt that I couldn't be happy. And I no longer was worried that the other shoe was going to drop because my whole life, you know, up until this moment, it was like, I couldn't because if you tried to be happy, then something bad's gonna happen So you you might as well not be happy because then something bad's gonna happen So I was able to let go of that shoe-dropping feeling and I was willing I was able to let go of the anger and the rage and the worry that what I was capable of and I was really able to um, Basically become who I am today, which again for even myself is sometimes shocking so it was it was really when I started to recognize That fear was at the crux of everything that, you know, again, tools are great. Skills are great. Love them, love them, love them. But until I understood how fear worked and was able to actually look through that fear lens at my father, because I know my father killed my mother because he was afraid. I also know my mother stayed with my father for 20 years because she was afraid. And I know that my, I know that the things in my life, all my, the alcohol, the suicide, all those were because I was afraid. You know, I always say that fear kills relationships, it c- kills careers. almost killed me. And in some ways it's killing all of us in some area of our life. And so my passion, my commitment, my devotion is to help people understand how fear is working in their life because it's hidden, it's invisible, nobody sees it. And um, to start really giving people a context of how it works so they can transcend it, so they can be with it, so that it no longer runs their life silently and quietly and insidiously. So. You know from the first worst day of my life don't uh had to go through 20 years of hell um but eventually i was able to move past that hell and actually do the work i do today which is fearless living and really and really help people understand how fear works and and that's how i that's how i really got here and i really see the um perfection in all of it and uh you know people sometimes ask me like Yeah, I mean, but are you? Would you? You know, if you could take it back, would you take it back? I'm like, sure, of course. I would rather jump in front of the bullet and save my mother, but I also know that I was meant to be here today and do fearless living, because I know I'm here to. To my mother and I, my father, were here to help help the world get fearless. So that's why I do what I do.
0: Absolutely beautiful, beautiful in so many ways, and I just wanted to thank you, Rhonda, for sharing that because it puts things truly into perspective on on current situations and where we are today and how we can respond things to things differently and how we interpret things differently as well um, so once again i'm truly grateful and and, and thank you for, for sharing that we've got some great questions that have people have uh, have sent through um dave said you know some people have a real fear to the corona and some are making excuses how do you be careful around motivating them and, and, and guiding them through, through these times.
1: Well, I, I think that's a really awesome question. And by the way, everybody can breathe right now. If you haven't taken a breath yet.
0: After <laughs> Good four. idea. Take a deep breath.
1: <sighs> <sighs>
0: <sighs> right,
1: um, It's okay. Some people come up to me after I give a keynote and they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, I'm okay. Right. But you know, I know that um, sometimes it's you know hard to hear that story. So it's okay to breathe and it's okay to like shake it off. Um, So let's talk about fear versus excuses. Because what are excuses, right? Excuses are because I'm afraid. Um, We only make excuses. We only make, we only complain. We only make excuses. We only procrastinate. We only are perfectionists. We only are people pleaser because we have fear. All of these things are called fear responses. So, you know, some people are like, I'm just a perfectionist. It's like, well, that's a fear response. You actually are driven by fear. You know, um, again, making excuses, beating ourselves up. Uh, Getting overwhelmed anxious complaining comparing all of those are symptoms of fear So excuses are just a symptom of a deeper fear and they may not have the skill They may not have the awareness and they may not have the tools to transcend that that those excuses feel so real because excuses are, are really seated in truth like there's a difference between complaining and excuses Complaining is you and I can both be like complaining about the weather. We're like, ah, cut it out. Quit complaining. And we're like, yeah, okay, I'm complaining. But excuses actually feel really real. I mean, if you think about me and the story I just shared with you, if I was an alcoholic on the side of the street, right, and you saw me and somebody goes, God, what happened to that woman? And you happen to know my story. You'd probably go, well, you know, her father killed her mother in front of her. That's why. And everybody's like, oh, yeah. And you would let me have my excuse. You would let me have that excuse because it made sense. And so, for people having excuses in the moment that they're having them, it really does have a seed of truth and they really believe them. So, your opportunity is to really be gentle. Actually, a cure for excuses is actually gentleness, which I know it sounds crazy, but it's actually gentleness and compassion because the more that they can feel accepted with their fear, the more they can move past it. Because if you make them defensive about their excuses, then they only get stronger. So you have to decide on your relationship with that person. You know, some people, my best friend and I, I can totally call her out on her excuses. She can call me, out of, me out, of, out of my excuses. But the people in your life that maybe you don't have that relationship with, what they really need is gentleness and kindness and compassion because that's how afraid they are right now, that their excuse feels so real to them that they can't move past it. So, if you want to give me more context to that, if you want to give me a specific situation, I'll be happy to coach you through it. If you want to tell me the the story around that question, again, I'll be happy to coach and happy to support.
0: Fantastic. All right, cool. Um who's actually. Does that
1: make sense? By the yeah, way, yeah,
0: that's that's beautiful. Hands sense. up, hand, yeah. thumbs up. Who uh, who, who gets did you, did gets you, that? You get that
1: like, right, makes yeah, sense.
0: Yeah, love it. Okay, great. great, fantastic. Um, another good question that that's come up is mm-hmm. is this is in relations to. Um, how do you, uh, where is it? Some, uh, joanne Is going. I had a major anxiety around a client situation didn't sleep because of it. How do you stop that from manifesting and, and killing sleep?
1: Yeah. I love that. Thank you. That's such a brilliant question, Joanne. Thank you. Because how many people, uh, have had a little anxiety and overwhelm over the last couple of weeks? Raise your hand. Anybody, anxiety, overwhelm? Yeah. You know, on the one hand side, we're in groups like this to keep ourselves positive and powerful and empowered, and we want to take advantage of the opportunities that present itself. Like, that's what these groups are for. But on the other side of that is also guilt and worry and shame and frustration. And again, the cracks are showing. And so... It's normal. First of all, it's normal. Really want you to hear this. It's so normal to have anxiety, worry, overwhelm right now. Because like I said, fear is just palatable through, our, through the world. Not, just even our, not even just in your city, not even just in your country, but the world. It's palatable. Okay. So when you're having major anxiety about a, sleep, a client situation and didn't sleep because of it, that means you're taking responsibility for it. And you actually think you're the savior of it. Right. So the question, Joanne, is are you the savior of it? Yes or no. Just shake your head. I can see your beautiful face. No. Yeah. But again, when we feel out of control, we want to take control when we're feeling, um, you know, lost or, you know, confused. We want to have some sort of semblance over something. So this is probably a place that you're kind of putting your stake in the ground and saying I can solve this I can help this I can do something. Why didn't I why can't I Right? you were just kind of putting your stake in the ground? But you have to remember that this is an opportunity for you to say wait, what is mine and what is theirs? What is mine and what is theirs? Because most of the I hate you know The truth is, is that most of the problems that we have in our life is because we're taking on things that are not ours And so you just took on somebody's, you probably took on somebody's energy. Are you an empath or a highly sensitive person? Okay, so if you're a highly sensitive person, if you're an empath, if you run by compassion, if you find yourself a people pleaser, this is, in order to gain control, you are gonna do this, right? So you have to decide, you have to decide, you do have to make a decision, Joanne. You have to decide like, okay, wait a minute. Am I going to take responsibility for their life Or am I going to be a vehicle for support and take control of my life? Right. So, again, normal. It was your stab at taking some power back, probably some stab at making a difference, wanting to help somebody. So, it was all from good places. But you crossed the line between them and you. Right. There's a line. Here's you. There's them. And you crossed the line. Okay. And we all do it. All of us do it at times in relationships. You know when we get caught up in wanting a thing a certain way with our loved ones We want them to go to this college or do this well in school I mean we we all we all do that. We all get in everybody else's business because we care Right, so we have to recognize what is true caring and what does caring look like from a fearless perspective. So Joanne Beautiful it only means that you were filled with love and filled with caring and the person you didn't love and didn't care for is yourself Great
0: question. Great answer. Thank you. I run to Simone. Simone mentioned every day is a new day and some are low and others are great. How do you keep steady? How do you maintain steadiness?
1: Well, this is what I want to give you some release about Simone is that um, yes, I want you to be steady. Um, So yes, sure. Um, But steady. I'm going to say, I'm going to say two things and they're contradict each other. It's going to be a paradox. Okay. So everybody knows, knows what a paradox is, right? Paradox is when two things that are opposite actually coexist okay so we're going to talk about a paradox Simone so the quest for steady is nice and it might be unrealistic right now right so your job is to like know that the low the highs are highs because maybe you had a win maybe you had an insight maybe you had a ha-ha and that high made you feel like you're worthwhile like you're valuable like it matters like you can make a difference like you're back in power right you're in control and then the lows are probably for most of us, myself included, when I feel hopeless, out of control, can't grab it, you know, don't feel like I'm empowered. So we, we're, you're playing that dance of the paradox, right? On one moment, you're like, I'm high, I'm great, I'm doing it. Yeah, look at me, I'm helping, I'm supporting. Ah. And then, then one's like, I suck, I'm horrible. Well, those two things are opposites and they're the paradox. So embracing the paradox is where you find your center. And I do mean center rather than steady right? We want to find our center inside of this. So can you be inside the paradox and know that, yes, when you're having a high, you're probably addicted, attached to wanting to make a difference. When you're having a low, you're feeling hopeless, helpless, frustrated. And so I want to give you an exercise, Simone, if I may. And I know this exercise probably will be really good for everyone if if you're willing to do an exercise. Everybody willing to do an exercise? Yeah. Great. Great. All right. So grab a piece of paper. Probably everybody has a piece of paper in front of them, being the good students that you are. And I want you to take a clean piece of paper and I want you to write a line down the middle. Line down the middle. right down the middle. Line down the middle. And on the left-hand side, I want you to write the word control. And on the right-hand side, I want you to write no control, okay? On the left-hand side, I want you to write control. and the right-hand side, I want you to write no control. So let's list, if everybody's willing in the chat, to just list one thing they're not in control of right now, right? What are we not in control of? What are you not in control? You have no control over it. What don't you have no control over? You can either open your mic or drop it in the chat So what are you not in control of? Yeah, what are you not in control of? That's right, James. Thank you. What are you? What don't you have control over? Right, you don't have control over the economy the weather the government the virus the future. Yeah, you don't have control You don't have control of the sun going down. That's right. Right, you don't have control over all those things. You don't have the control, we don't have the control to say when the global pandemic's ending. We don't have control over when the lockdown is gonna get lifted. We don't have control about when we can quit wearing masks and wearing gloves. We don't have control over that, right? So now let's name some things we do have control over, okay? What do you have control over? What do you have control? your mindset? Yep. Luke, you have total control. David health. Yeah. What do I do next? That's right. Jonathan, you absolutely have control over that. How we feel. Yes. Yes. Kind of yes. Simone ourselves. Yeah. But what about ourselves? How many yoga classes? That's specific. I like that Jackie. So what you're in control of, I want you to be as specific as you can be because when we're general, we can't grasp it, right? We can't grab it, right? Just like when you set goals, you know how to make goals, right? You're specific, right? Same thing here. The more specific you are, the more power you're going to get back. So how we feel about the things we cannot control, our emotions, when I eat, diet, exercise, yes, actions, perfect. So now all those things that you can control, so that list of things that you can control that you just wrote down or started to write down, this is the next piece I want you to add. On a scale of one to 10, 10 being I'm knocking it out of the park, I got this, I got this handled. And one is, are you kidding me? I'm not even paying attention to that. Where are you for everything you can control on a scale of 1 to 10? How are you doing? Right. How are you doing? In sleep, on a scale of 1 to 10. 10 being, I'm sleeping like a baby and I'm sleeping 8 plus hours. I'm amazing. Drinking water. Again, this is how specific I want you to be. How are you drinking water? Is that a 10? Is that an 8? Is that a 2? What about um, what you're telling people, speaking about, right? Talking, how are you communicating with your tribe, with your people, right? So, again, Your family, your friends. So, on a scale of one to ten, how are you doing with the things you can control? Do it for each one, not as a whole. Just every single one. Okay, just just guess. Don't work too hard at it. Just write it down as fast as you can. Okay. Now, what I would like you to do is kind of look at that list of twos and sevens and sixes and fives and tens and eights, and tell me what do you think the average is there on the things that you can control? How are you doing on average of what you can control? Go ahead and throw it in the chat. Got a five from Catherine, David, seven, Simone, six, Jackie, eight, Uh, Luke, seven, Joanne, seven, sixes, fives, perfect. Great, sevens, yes, eights, awesome, Linda. Great, so I want you to start paying attention to what you can control and I actually want you to move those threes up to fours and fours up to fives. Now, this is why we put numbers on them, not just a big list of things we can control and not control. The reason we put numbers on them is to help us focus on the things where we do already have power, where we can make change, where we can infect and make change happen, right? Where we can have an impact. When you start focusing on the things that you can impact and start paying attention to those things, the things you can't control, they go and they recede into the background. They're not necessarily what you're in the forefront of your mind. Because when you start actually being empowered about the things you can control, we have more permission to accept the things we can't control. And when we accept the things we can't control, we have more freedom to create, more freedom to think, more freedom to go outside the box, okay? When we are trying to control the uncontrollable, we're actually, again, splitting that line, what's your business and what's not your business? You're in, there, you're in somebody else's business. Whether you call that God, universe, light, source, whatever you call it, you're in somebody else's business. That is not your business. Your business is where that line is and your business is where you can control, okay? And your business is doing one to 10 there. And it's not about getting everyone to a 10 and beating yourself off if they're not a 10. It's about just being honest with yourself and open with yourself. And also I want you to add something to your control list. I want you to add this to your control list. How gentle you are with yourself, and how much compassion you give to yourself and those around you. So how kind are you to yourself? How gentle are you with yourself? How compassionate are? Those are all in your control. And I guarantee you, if you focus on gentle, compassion and kind, you will actually have more energy, more fortitude, more clarity to actually work on the other things you have control over. It's when we're ruthless and mean to ourselves, it's all driven in fear, that actually lowers our self-confidence and lowers our self-esteem and brings us into those lows that Simone was talking about, right? Does that make That's sense?
0: That's so good. So, That's so good. Is that now, Ronnie, is that the correlation, as Jules asked the question a little while ago on managing fear, is is that a correlation to that or is that an, another strategy to look at?
1: Well, this is just one of the exercises I give my clients to help them, to help them take back their power. Um, you know, Because when you take back your power, that fear is going to decrease, right? Now, I have other exercises that are literally for fear itself, which we can talk about if you'd like and talk about how the brain works, which I'm sure you're familiar with, but we can review, always a good review right about now. <laughs> yep, um, right. But this is an exercise that I give, a, give clients when they're feeling powerless in the world, When they're feeling like their impact isn't impacting Mm. when they're not making a dent you know because it feels like so much has to happen right i don't know about you but i've been working like a dog for the last two weeks anybody else like i am like i work hard anyway like i'm somebody who works already but i am like a dog right now like i am like an animal right i am working 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 And it's not out of fear. It's out of clarity and freedom because I know it's like, oh my God, everybody's in fear. I am, I must work. I must give freedom, (laughs) right? Um, And so it's about where you can control and what you can contribute. So we want to take back our power where we can get it because there are so many places right now that we feel powerless and we are powerless. So we want to take the power where we know we have the power so that we can keep our self-esteem and our self-confidence in check and be that centered place so that we can feel steady. But steady is a output of centeredness, right? So when we're centered, we're steady, okay? And again, the only way you can be centered is living inside the paradox if we're having those highs and lows. And this is an exercise that's gonna give you back that centeredness, right? So that you can be, feel steady. And the ups and downs don't impact you because you know Oh, yes, it's an up moment. Oh, it's a down moment. Oh, got it. All right. Right. And you can keep going towards. So another thing to do, which I know that you already know, I'm sure you've already talked about this is, you know, right now uh, it's all about movement. Like, how are you moving the needle? And it's not about moving the needle in like, I must be heroic. It's like just moving the needle one step. Like I'm doing Facebook lives you know, and I was really clear that I had to do Facebook lives. Like it was like, I got a download. It's like, do Facebook lives. I'm like, yes, God, thank you. I will do Facebook lives. <laughs> now, do I, Rhonda Britton, the human being, want to get on Facebook live every day at five o'clock for as long as this lasts? Like, cause I made that commitment. Do I want to go and I'm doing seven days a week. I'm not doing five days a week. I'm doing seven. So do I, Rhonda Britton, the human being, want to do a Facebook live every day at five? No, don't wanna. But my mission and my vision propels me to do it, right? So I, the human being, want to sit and eat Ben and Jerry's ice cream right now, right? And, and you know, do some fish ice cream, right? But, th- but that's not my vision. That's not my mission. That's not, that's not what propels me. What propels me is do Facebook Lives, Rhonda. I don't really care if you want to do it or not. Like I've been saying to my coaches, which I'm sure, James, you've been saying to yours, you know, your folks is, I've been saying there is no time to say, I don't look good on camera. (laughs) Bullshit, right? There is no time to say, I don't like the way I sound. Really? Don't care. Get over the one. (laughs) I'm a bad writer. I don't care. I don't care. Right? Like all of the excuses that you've ever had, out the window, if you're on your mission, if you're on point with your vision and mission. If you're not on point with your vision and mission, all those excuses, going back to the first question, are going to feel very valid and very free, very real. Like I, I, how many people have felt behind the eight ball in the last two weeks? I know I have. I I, absolutely like, you know what I've said to myself when I'm behind the eight ball? Oh my God, I should have started this Facebook group like three years ago. Damn. Right. (laughs) Oh man, I should have started these Facebook lives like a year ago. Oh my God. What was I thinking? Right. Like, like I see the people who already have their communities and everything built and they're just going in them and doing it. I'm like, well, isn't that nice? Right. Isn't that nice? But it's like, That wasn't what i was called to do then and i have to believe i believe that everything's in divine timing so i'm at the right place at the right time doing what i gotta do right so we all have those moments where it's like damn if i would have just started my facebook group five years ago we didn't right maybe you did but i didn't i started mine two weeks ago (laughs) so you know that's where i am right so
0: true so true
1: um does that make sense everybody got that
0: yeah thumbs up for that thumbs up
1: if yeah, you I like it, it, you don't have to thumbs up. Don't lie to me. I don't like <laughs> it. Only give me a thumbs up if that supported you. Luke, yeah, did good. that support you?
0: Yeah, yeah, you got it. Okay,
1: good, good. excellent.
0: Love all right. Uh, so, another question: Is it okay to fear as long as you recognize that what
1: it is? So, first of all, there's no bad or good, and there's no negative or positive, right? So, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna use a very simple example. That may illustrate this best I always say that you know The number one way that neuroscience now knows is the truly way to change your life is to change your filtering system It's not just changing a behavior. It's literally changing the way you see the world So if i'm in my wheel of fear, right if i'm in my wheel of fear uh, I call it the wheel of fear and fearless. I mean, if i'm looking through fear glasses the global pandemic looks one way Right the global pandemic looks one way i'm gonna ruin my business. It's gonna i'm gonna lose my business I'm gonna be living with my uncle who's 86 years old in his basement, right? Like that's like, right? Like I'm gonna be eating Ben and Jerry's and I'm gonna gain 20 pounds. Like that's how the global pandemic looks for me, right? In fear. And again, some version there of a view, maybe it's not as dramatic. But if I'm in my freedom, if I'm in my truth, if I'm in my essential nature, what I call my essential nature, the global pandemic doesn't look all that scary. The global pandemic is like, wow, this makes sense. The world has been betrayed and raped and uh, corona means uh, crown and virus means all and this is for all of us to come together And you know, right like I can look at it from a spiritual perspective from a psychological perspective And I can look at it as an opportunity for me to become who I'm meant to be like really use it as a, as a jumping-off point Right when I'm looking through freedom the challenge that Simone was talking about was that, you know One minute she's looking through her fear glasses and the next minute She's looking at freedom and the next minute she's looking at fear and the next minute she's looking at freedom, right? And we want to stop that dance And Actually go, you know what? I'm gonna look through freedom. It doesn't mean that I don't have moments of fear But I do not get caught by them and I do not buy into them and I do not act on them Right. They're just information for me to have and only the information that fear is giving you Remember fear only has one job and one job only to keep you safe. So if fear is popping up It actually means that you're in the unknown and that might be a new thought it actually might be a new thought a new idea, you might not even be taking action yet. Um, you might even not even be saying it to yourself, but you just feel like, oh my God, I'm scared. It's like an idea is coming, right? So the only reason fear visits you is because you're thinking about something different or doing something different or or something has changed in your environment. Like, think about it, does, does fear visit you when you're eating Doritos on the couch watching Netflix? <laughs> no. no, it doesn't, right? No, it doesn't, right? Fear only visits us when we're contemplating a change, a shift, uh, a new way of seeing. If you haven't fallen in love for 20 years and you start thinking about dating, trust me, fear is going to visit you. If you have been sitting on, I don't know how much all y'all make, but let's just say for the sake of this conversation, whether you make 100000 hundred thousand, five hundred thousand, 500000 a million dollars and you've been sitting there for a while, fear probably hasn't been bothering you because you're like, you know, that's good. But all of a sudden global pandemic comes and all of a sudden it doesn't feel like enough. It doesn't feel like enough like I gotta I gotta get more money. I gotta get more savings I gotta you know, so all the things that you were okay with in you know, not uh, critical circumstances felt okay, but now Again, remember this is gonna bring everything heightened that was hidden everything that was hidden is now heightened All the cracks that were just kind of invisible and ignored are up to the surface and again This is all good news so fear in and of itself is here just to keep us safe. And by the way, it's part of our neurobiology. May I just talk a little bit about neuroscience, James, just to make sure we're all on the same page?
0: Perfect, perfect effort.
1: And again, I get that you guys probably all know this, so just bear with me. You know, you can roll your eyes at me if you want. But just I just want to make sure I say it in case somebody forgets it, right? So remember, our neurobiology, what? Our brain, how we work is that our brain doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality. It doesn't know the difference. So for instance, when Simone is moving into a low point, is she in imagination or reality? Probably it might be based on reality, but she's probably made up a story about the reality. So she's actually using her imagination to make the fact mean something, right? So we have facts, we want meaning, we create stories, and then we live inside the stories, right? So our brains don't know the difference between real and imagined. So one of my favorite sentences that I use when I get triggered, and Simone, you can use this, and Joanne, and Linda, and Jean, Jean, how do you say your name? Jean Michel. Jean Michel. Jean Michel. (laughs) I'm gonna practice saying that. Jean Michel. Is that you can say this question over and over to yourself: Is am I making it up or is it a fact? And I guarantee you, when you're triggered, you're probably making it up 99.9 percent of the time. Okay, and that will then immediately calm your nervous system down. Right. Your cortisol levels go down and you'll be like, okay, I can breathe again. Yes, I made that up So the brain does that makes it up versus reality The other thing the brain does and again, I know you know this there's no difference between emotional fear and physical fear Okay, so we're all aware of our physical fears. I don't like kites I don't like snakes but emotional fears. Most of us don't even pay attention to we ignore them We deny them. We avoid them because we don't walk around saying I'm afraid or I'm scared so, but what we do walk around saying, like I said earlier, is we, we do admit we're procrastinators or perfectionists, or we get overwhelmed or anxious or beat ourselves up. We admit those things. Those are the fear symptoms, the responses to fear that we want to start paying attention to because those fear responses are actually pointing the way to the fear, right? So if you beat yourself up, there's fear. If you get overwhelmed, there's fear. If there's anxiety, there's fear. Perfectionist, fear, right? If you're on your other side of the line, like Joanne was, that's fear, Okay. And the other thing about the brain, I'll say one more thing, is that um, they're now discovering that fear is actually handed down through our DNA. So some of the things that you might get triggered by have nothing to do with your life. So don't spend a lot of time asking yourself, why, why, why? It's not helpful. Not helpful. Not helpful. No, not helpful at all. Instead, we want to focus on what, how, how do we want to move forward, right? We've all heard that. Don't focus on the why, focus on the how, right? So when you know that about the brain, now all of a sudden, it's like, oh, okay, yeah. Where am I making stuff up? I'm at a low point. I just made up that I'm going to be ruined. Mm. Okay? Does that make sense? So may I give another exercise right now, by the way? Because I just thought I could give one more exercise. Perfect. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so, So just a minute ago, I said, you know, your fear says I could be ruined. Has everybody had that thought? I have. I have. I've had that thought. I've had the thought like my business could go under, right? What what if nobody wants fearless living? What if nobody wants to face their fear right now? It's so, the you know like what if they're like I'm too afraid to face my fear, right? Um all my speaking events have been canceled, my workshops have been canceled. It's like gosh, what if nobody wants fearless living anymore, right? So this exercise is called the worst case scenario exercise. Now, why do I want you to figure out your worst case scenario. If you are able to tell yourself the truth about the worst case scenario, and you know how you would respond to it, then what that does is release a level of energy and clarity that is not available to you when you're denying that reality, that that possibility. So it's like when we're willing to face and look at the worst case scenario, we actually get acceptance and we get clarity, so then we know what to do. A lot of times people don't know what to do and they're kind of running around because they're not willing to look at the worst case scenario and they're running from it as hard as they can. And that's not gonna give you clarity about what's really the right step for you. Because some of you the right step is to do more of what you're doing, but some of you the right step is actually to change your business model, right? And I don't know who that is, but if you're not willing to look at worst case scenario, you're not gonna be able to pick the thing that's really right for you personally and your business. Okay. So worst case scenario allows you the freedom to look at it from, from an objective place, right? Like I've, my worst case scenario is like my business. I've lost my business. I have so much money in the bank gets to a certain point, got 5,000 in. What am I going to do? I only got $5,000 left. I've spent it all. It's been going on for a long time. Ah, put my stuff in storage or sell it, do whatever, leave it in the living room, leave it outside on the outside. If nobody's buying stuff, Take my Prius, thank God I got a Prius. Drive to my uncle's in Upper Michigan. He's 86 years old, and I can live with him in his basement. Right? So again, you know, be attentive. Don't run from what, don't run away from your fear. Instead, write it down and go, okay, let's talk about the worst case scenario. Does that make sense?
0: Fantastic fantastic so good how many
1: people go ahead and give me a, a high five if you're willing to do that exercise and if you're not you don't have to high five me it's okay i'm cool
0: love it love it right. um so as we come to a close for no i for- know oh, no,
1: i know we could be talking all day We um, haven't even talked about the wheel of fear and all those things but yes go ahead james cool
0: so so yeah is there any other are there any other final like the wheel of fear or like any other snippets you go you know what you guys need to hear this right now. What would be what would be one or two final things that we, we need to hear right now?
1: Um, the thing that I really want you to hear above all else, I think if I could just leave you with one message and one message only, is that there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just fear. And if you can really start being willing to start seeing your fear responses. You know, I was teaching another class today and somebody asked me, "Well, Rhonda, how do I become aware of my fear, and so it doesn't trick me anymore?" I said, "The number one thing you can do is start keeping track of your fear responses. And remember, your fear responses are what you think your problems are: your procrastination, your perfectionism, your complaining, your comparing, you're beating yourself up, you're watching, you know, watching movies, you know, till four in the morning. Uh, you know, you're on social social media for three hours every night and not going to bed, right?" I'm speaking to myself, (laughs) but you know, uh, a little bit about what I do when I'm in fear, right? So keeping track of your fear responses, it's not about pointing out all the things that you do wrong or that you don't like, but it's actually letting you know what you do when fear is silently in control. So when you find yourself beating yourself up, you can say to yourself, oh, wait a minute. Would I, Joanne? Would I, Luke? Would I, Jonathan, beat myself up? If I was awake and aware and in freedom, no, it does not serve me. So if I am beating myself up, I must be in fear. Great. Does this serve me? No, it does not. What do I want to do instead? Right? So, you know, without knowing your wheel of fear, these are some of the exercises that would would have you do because the first thing that that I would have a client do is start paying attention to what they do when they're acting in fear. Because again, remember, procrastination is just a symptom of fear. So you're procrastinating. It's not that you're lazy or bad or stupid. It's that there's a fear under there that it's petrifying to actually finish this project because it will change the dynamics of your business, change your relationship. It'll change your opinion of yourself. It'll change your identity. It, nobody might buy it, right? There's all these risks for everything we do. There's risks. There's cost and benefits. So it, a project isn't just a project. A project, every project is, is means something, has some costs and benefits. And fear says this is too risky, because fear only what you know we're energy machines, and the and the and what fear does is literally when we're unconscious, look in the past, or remember right, look in the past for a template to solve a problem in the in the present. So if we're on automatic pilot, we're looking backwards. And so what we want to do is not look backwards, we actually want to create from a new, create from a a true place, a real place. And so, when we are on automatic pilot, when we are beating ourselves up, that's automatic pilot. That's fear based. When you're putting yourself down, beating yourself up, procrastinating, that's all fear based. And if you can start calling yourself out and go, huh, I'm procrastinating. What's so, okay, got it. Huh, here I am. I'm I'm afraid. What am I willing to do in the midst of this fear? Who am I willing to be? What really matters to me? And start asking yourself different questions. You know, uh, indulging yourself and buying into the story. Is Just you letting fear win because fear has only one job and one job only remember it's to keep you safe and That is sees you as a two-year-old or a five-year-old. It doesn't see you as a grown-ass adult Fear doesn't see you as a 45 year old or a 38 year old or a 52 year old fear sees you as a four-year-old And so it's always trying to protect you and your job is to start protecting yourself and taking back your own power Does That make sense (laughs) <laughs> you're very kind
0: love it you're just channeling that in the zone i was just like oh
1: you're very kind thank you beautiful
0: that was absolutely beautiful absolutely amazing guys um i want to find out what's been what's been the biggest takeaway so far what's been what's been that aha moment that that key takeaway um I want
1: One specific thing. Don't be giving me this thing so much. Wonderful stuff. No, Jackie. Uh-uh. That doesn't <laughs> come with me. Right. remember specific, specifics, right? Specific. So asking different questions, fear responses. Yes. Bring it specific. What did, what's one thing that you got out of? So I know that I, so I know I gave you something that I know that I used your time wisely and that I did not waste your time. Joanne says, look at my behaviors when in fear. Yeah. Love yourself through it, Joanne. Awareness of fear worst-case scenario. I totally procrastinate Linda. You you, so Linda I want you to clean up your language You do not procrastinate fear Is seducing you into procrastinating but you Linda in your true nature and who you really are would never procrastinate So I don't even want you to say I procrastinate I want you to say ah there goes fear wanting me to procrastinate again Wow must be really important and really risky. Otherwise, I wouldn't be sitting on my ass right now, right? So don't identify yourself with your fear like that. Um, Recognizing we all have fear, my fear manifests itself in procrastination. Look at worst. Now I know you're in goals. Come on, you're with James. No more James. You got to get on that, Uh, Simone. Worst case scenario, a mechanism behind neuroscience and thoughts. Love the scaling. What I can control. Uh, Riley says imagination, reality, the stories we create in our mind and the brain, not knowing the difference. Yeah. So remember, we get triggered. We have to create meaning out of that trigger. Then we take a sto- We make a story to create meaning, and then we live outside that story. We live inside the story. And instead, we actually wanna stop that right there and not even give it meaning or a story. And hey, if you're gonna make up a story, this is what I say, make it up good. Make it up good, <laughs> right? Why when you go into a room, like why when you create a product, why when you go into a room, are you gonna say people aren't gonna like me? If you're gonna make it up, make it up like these people are loving me. I'm gonna sell a million of these things, right? Right. Why not? Right. If you're going to make it up, make it up good.
0: So good.